Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Voxology Podcast, where we, um, my name is Mike Erie and uh, (laughs) Timothy John Stafford, but we, the two of us, are joined by a very special guest host today. It's Seth, ladies (laughs) and gentlemen. It's Seth. And it's summer, Seth, which means it's Seth turned up to 11. And Seth, how are you doing, buddy? Good. Good? Yeah. What's happening? What you been doing? What you been doing this summer? Play floppy. You play floppy, yep. Yeah, which is what you do all the time. He's got a good but what summer else? Haircut. What else have you done? Got a summer haircut? Yes, looking yep. fresh. Yep, I know it's short. I like that. What else? I love that. It's Tim Stafford. You love Dad and Tim Stafford? Yes. Well, because what? it's silly. Because we're silly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're the silliest of us, my my young son. You know what? You know what's cool though? What? When people email us in, they literally put. Seth, Tim, and then Mike in that order as the addressees. Yeah. So you're getting all kinds of emails, sweet Sethy. Yes. That's right. Yes, you are. Now, Seth, um, where are you heading today? What's the plan today? Um, I go to the doctor appointment. I go to Chick Fil A. Go to the doctor appointment and then Chick Fil A, which sounds you know, sounds about right. Right. You've been sick yeah. for a while. And Miss Tina. And Miss Tina, my wife Justina, is going and taking you, huh? Yep, yeah. you guys have been sick, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's so fun, but that hasn't stopped us. Did we do swimming yesterday? And jacuzzi? Yep. Yeah, jacuzzi. Yeah, we have a friend who well, graciously lets us. Seth Theory Radio? Yeah. Oh, man, he is. He has planned his own um, Voxology playlist. I'm, I'm telling you. So someday that'll happen, yep. my dear boy. Well, listen, do you want to say your famous catchphrase? What do you say? What do you say to Tim? You say Tim? Tim? Yeah. Hey, Dad, what's it? Get up and fight. It's playing news. No, we're not playing Get Up and Fight. You have your own music. Huh? Son, we have your own music. Ready? Yeah. So say, Timothy. Timothy. Hit that music. Hey, please. There it is, ladies and gentlemen. There it is. Seth Erie in the house. Low energy. That's actually low energy. That was low energy. He's um, recovering from Roe v. Wade as well. Yeah. The (laughs) Rovid. The (laughs) Rovid. Just when you thought the COVID was over, now we've got the Rovid. Well, Timothy, let's talk about what we're going to do today. All right. And let's let the audience hear how unplanned oh, wow. All right. this uh, turns out to be. So tax um, dollars hard at work. Yes, ladies and gentlemen. Absolutely. Timothy, um, I say we talk a little bit about evangelism. All right. And uh, because uh, one of the things that I think we've been directly and indirectly addressing over the course of you know the last year or so is uh, the need to kind of rethink the approach of hey I've got something you need yeah. and um, and here let me tell you what it is and and we've had some great great pushback on that um, uh, and and I think that's all worthy pushback but uh, if we're not just going to critique 
Um, but I think there's a, a better alternative because the way I under began to understand it is that the story of Christianity is a story about heaven and hell. Right. And the way to avoid hell was to pray a prayer to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And the way that people would pray the prayer was if other people had kind of shared their stories and shared uh, some content with them about who Jesus is and what Jesus did, and then invited them to kind of invite Jesus into their hearts. Right. And we've spent uh, a goodly portion of the last two years questioning that as the predominant story uh, that the Bible is telling and that Jesus, you know, is telling. And I really am um, convinced that the story is much different um, than that story. So if, if, if we think that eternal life is in the balance um, and hell is in the balance, then um, we should be out there like absolutely swinging away at people um, and doing all the things that I was taught to do, whether it's, right. you know, you try to bring it up in conversation. I remember going out with my discipler. Uh, we'd be in a restaurant, and he would he would constantly try to bring the the, the conversation back to Jesus. Yeah, I went on a spring break trip where put those apologetics classes to use. Oh, dude, I used to teach those. Yeah. Absolutely, I I used to teach them. Um, uh, or I would go on spring break. I went to um, a place where we would um, try to engage in spiritual conversations by doing sort of creative things on the beach to draw a crowd. <laughs> And then somebody would flips? kind of share their testimony. The, the one I remember was slow motion football. Um, <laughs> but I think there were some others. And so I was, I was immersed quite naturally in that story. And because that story was the story we were telling, right. it quite naturally prioritizes evangelism as kind of the most important thing. Yeah. Uh, to the place where it didn't matter uh, how many people were turned off by your efforts, um, you know, if, I mean, Jesus would leave the 99 and go find the one. And so, okay, if 99 people were turned off, sucks for them, but right. here's the one that we found. And, and legitimately, um, God uses those efforts, um, and people can encounter Jesus in the kingdom in that way, right? Same with tracks, same yeah. with leaflets. I mean, it can, all of it, if God can use... The two of us, he can use absolutely anything or anyone. I think we would all agree. Yeah. But as as we've been sort of exploring the bigger story the Bible is telling, um, evangelism sort of takes on a different flavor. And I don't see evangelism as something separate from just living my normal life. Right. And that's the big area that I've I've grown in is I used to think evangelism was something I had to do. And, um, and now I realize it's, it's a much kind of broader, deeper thing than that. So, Timothy, I thought perhaps we could spend a couple of weeks talking about, oh, well, what is that bigger, richer, deeper thing? Bigger, richer, deeper. Bigger, richer, deeper. That's Slowly, right. fastly, deeply. What was that song? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. But, That's fine. Um, you have a much broader music vocabulary than I do. A friend of ours can just text you, Miranda, and you know what that is. Yeah. And I was thinking, is that your Miranda Wright? Is that your, <laughs> you know, I don't know them. what. Right. 
and you know what that is. And then and then and then someone countered Nora, and I didn't know who that was. So understood. I've I'm very familiar with '80s and '90s bands, and that's kind of it. Um, but what about you, man? I mean, I, you were and have been involved in a um, organization that very much prioritizes seeing people come to Jesus. And I think we would both say the more people that come to Jesus, the better, right? I mean, we actually think there's something to this. Yeah. So it's not that we're down on people coming to Jesus, correct? (laughs) Correct. I think it's just, yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's a redefinition of what all that means. Yeah. I mean, I was a youth pastor who also did Young Life at the same time. Um, You know, I'm still involved in Young Life. I love Young Life for a myriad of reasons, um, but so much ministry is based on numbers. How many did you get there? How many can you save? How many can you get on the get on the boat, so to speak? Um, mm-hmm. To hear the to hear the good news, to hear the message, to convert, to accept. Um, but I think that's right. What you just said the like, what does coming to Jesus actually mean, mm-hmm. and why is that a compelling message? Um, and it, but I mean that like a complete three-dimensional question. Yes. What does it mean to come to Jesus? Because we've yeah. found that it's more than the, yeah. will, will you come into my heart? All right, sweet. Well, and, and if it's presented as, I don't want to go to hell. I mean, right. that just so warps. That yes. so warps the story that Jesus is telling. Model. Yes. Yes. So, of course, you'd pray a prayer. Yeah. Um. Duh! Absolutely, all I have to do is pray this prayer. Yes, I'm in. Um, and and <laughs> I think I think you know we've talked about this a bunch. But what's fascinating is, is so often the warnings of judgment are given to believers. Um, and uh, so I don't think accepting Jesus excuses you from judgment. I think there's like it's happening across the board, ladies and gentlemen. But yeah. uh, all that is to say that. Um, that it's like the Roe v. Wade conversation. No doubt, the fewer abortions, the better. But how is it that we get there? What is the what is the most Jesus-like way to get there? And, um, and so we want to have that same conversation around this topic. Of, of course, I mean, we have both dedicated our lives to this Jesus. Um, we've prayed multiple prayers. We um, uh, we sit on public platforms uh, talking about how beautiful he is. And of course, we would want people to encounter him. But I suspect that the you know previous ways uh, of doing that um, aren't effective in the modern context that we're in. And I think the Bible sort of gives us permission to really explore different ways of understanding what it means to, quote, share our faith. Right. So let's talk about one of those today, Timothy, shall we? Let's do it. All right, Timothy, let's talk about names. All right? Okay. In America, names are normally chosen just as identifiers, as signifiers, things that sound good with the surname, right? right. There's, no, there's no consideration usually of like, my parents sitting and going, you know, um, Mike is going to live a Mike kind of life. <laughs> so we will name him Mike in the hope that he embodies that destiny, right? There was no Mike-ness that they had in view 
You don't think they're uh, like that, Michael Douglas, Michael Landon? No, no. Michael Carl? Yes. <laughs> Let's do that. Um, in America, names are just identifiers. And, and yeah. often we can you know, use creative names or we get lists of the baby names, but they're typically not super thoughtful. Um, in the Bible, however, the names were, were far more than just identifiers, right? The name stood for destiny right. or character or something significant that had happened. You have all of these events where um, like Jacob encounters God in this random place and he names the place Bethel, house of God. Right. Um, uh, or, or there's a well that's named after uh, somebody who dug it, or the, the name of the person gets changed because of their destiny in the Bible, right? Um, Adam means human and Eve means life. And so here's the story of human life told in Adam and Eve, right? I mean, you just, names have a, they're just a huge deal. Um, they, um, they deal with character, destiny, or um, significance. Yeah. Right? So, uh, and, and, you know, when we named our kids, we, we learned what the Hebrew meant for their names and tried to name them that way. So, so anyway, um, uh, and there are people who are super intuitive or, or intentional. I'm not saying that, but I'm just saying in the Bible, names have really a big importance and names usually revealed something about the bearer of the name. Right. So, um, you know, when, when Jacob is named, dis, you know, one who grasps at the heel, yeah. uh, the idea of deceiver, there was, there was something about his birth or Esau, you know, is hairy. <laughs> so they, <laughs> they, they name him, they name him after his red hair. Um, and so the first instance of ginger in the, uh, in the Bible, but <laughs> Uh, and names are far different than titles, right? N names, um, titles convey different information than names. But but because you and I are friends, I would never call you, uh, hello, Voxology podcast co-host or <laughs> dear fellow taxpayer, right. right? I mean, I'd call you Tim. And even right. from your formal name, Timothy John, I'd call you, shorten it to Tim. Yeah. And so, anyway, names function in the Bible in a really interesting way. And God's name most of all, right? So God's name gets introduced to us. I mean, it's, it's mentioned prior to this, but when it's revealed to Moses, it's kind of the, the, big, the, big, um, uh, the, the big revelation, I guess. Um, in Exodus chapter 3, when Moses and God are going back and forth about Moses being a deliverer, and whether or not he, you know, was qualified, and well, what, what shall I do to show them that's really you, and so on? And he says um, in Exodus three, he says, "All right, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. What? And they ask me, what is his name? What shall I tell them? Yeah. And and that's a very interesting question because um, uh, Moses, being raised in the Egyptian court, would have understood." that the names of the gods told you something about them. Again, this was the way ancient Near East names worked. They always yeah. revealed something about the bearer. And so the names of the gods were super important, particularly if you were trying to appease whatever god that you know you were seeking to appease. The name would often tell you how you would do that sure, or how like that worked. Sure, like an avenue into, yeah. Yeah, the character of the god. Yeah. 
Um, and so naturally Moses would ask this question and then God responds super unhelpfully by saying, uh, I am who I am. Right. Um, he said this it before is what, Popeye. Th- yes. Popeye stole it from Yahweh. This is what you were to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, I love that. And the, and the I am here, literally, that the root at Hebrew, uh, in the Hebrew, is just the, the, the phrase that means to exist. Yeah. So, so literally what he's saying is, hey, in contrast to all the pretender gods, yeah. I actually am. Yeah. I'm real. Um, and so that name reveals something about the bearer. God's real. Uh, and it's in the first person. I am. But then he says, he gives Moses a different name. He says, say to the Israelites, the Lord, capital L-O-R-D, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has sent me to you. And then the text says, this is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. So the Lord, anytime you see it, at least in my Bible, it's capitalized L-O-R-D. Yeah. Uh, it's four Hebrew consonants, Y-H-V or W-H. Uh, and um, this is the sacred name of God given to the Israelites. When God refers to himself, he uses the phrase, I am, which makes it so significant when Jesus uses this in the book of John all over the place. Yeah, he, he looks. Jesus looks at one of the, the religious leaders and says, before Abraham was, I am, yeah. which you couldn't get more direct yeah. <laughs> in that moment. Um, but, but when God refers to himself, he uses the first person um, form of to be or to exist. The Lord, however, is the third person form of that. So it's he is, he exists. Okay. And it's the four Hebrew consonants are called the Tetragrammaton. Um, which is such a cool freaking name. Yeah, it's like a, um, and like we a don't know how to pronounce transformer. Them. We don't know how to pronounce them because at some point the Israelites dropped the pronunciation of the name altogether. So the best, I mean, the guess we have is Yahweh. What, is what do you mean Yahweh? they just stopped speaking it so we don't? Yes, because yeah. because as we'll meet one of the Ten Commandments is to not misuse the name of the Lord. And so, so in like, God's name, yep, exactly. Remember what what. What they would often do is they would build fences around commandments, right? So that so so I will never misuse his name if I don't speak his name, right? Makes sense. Um, yep. And so so we don't quite know how it is pronounced. That's Some say it's like breath, yeah, like breathing in, breathing out. Um, some say it is, um, and it's transposed. I mean, it's used sixty eight hundred times. But sometimes we'll like pull the Hebrew letters from Adonai over and get Jehovah out of that. Uh, all that is to say, God's name is a big deal to him. Yeah. Um, and the revelation of God's name to Moses is a big deal. Yeah. Now, and they, that culture understood that this was this yes. weight. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Because the name stood for the person. Yeah. To insult the name was to insult the person. Yeah. In fact, there are times in Genesis and other places where they will just refer to God as the name, Hashem, <laughs> the name. Yeah. They wouldn't even say the name, it's just the name. Now, because God's name is a big deal, and it, it stands for God's character, it reveals something about God's character, but it also stands for his person, it's not surprising that there's a command 
regarding the name. Um, Exodus 20, you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Now, there, there, it's a really interesting, um, this phrase misuse, because it's made up of two different words that, that seem to have the connotation of attach uh, and empty. And so um, the, there are some who translate this, you shall not attach the Lord's name to an empty thing mm. or to something that disappoints the hope that has rested upon yeah. it. Um, and so when I heard this commandment, as it was explained to me in Sunday school, it was about don't use God's name in vain. Exactly. Which is don't say Jesus Christ in, exactly. as yeah. a swear word or God damn it as a swear yep. word. Uh, but as we'll see, I think it's a little, a little different. So if the command is do not attach God's name to an empty thing, you, that could be a vow, right? I, I invoke God's name in a vow, and, and Jesus rebukes this in the Sermon on the Mount. Like a, I swear to God that blah, blah, blah. I swear to God, or, or they were so sophisticated, I swear by the gold of the temple. Hmm. And Jesus comes along and says, dude, you fool, what makes the gold of the temple significant? God's presence. Right. Right? So don't swear by anything. Right? Let your yes be yes, you know, no. <laughs> it's kind of setting up the fence around it and again, but doing it for a more... Yes. N- yeah. Yes, 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 exactly right, exactly right. So, um, so on the one hand, We're so clever. You, we are so ingenious in the ways to, to disregard the heart of things. <laughs> so on the one hand, we have this name that is revealed and is um, uh, the declaration of Yahweh and his reality and his presence among Israel. Then you have this warning to not attach it to empty things or to not take it in vain, which has the same idea, to use it and employ it um, in in ways that um, rob it of its meaning and significance, right? Yeah. Because the name stands for the bearer of the name. And so what's fascinating, though, is the name of God functions very weirdly in the Old Testament. Um because there, there are different ways of bearing the name. So, for instance, in Exodus 23, Yahweh says, See, I'm sending an angel ahead of you to guard you along the way and to bring you to the place I've prepared. Pay attention to him and listen to what he says. Do not rebel against him. He will not forgive your rebellion since my name is in him. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. So, so this angel bears the name of Yahweh, which means he acts in Yahweh's authority with Yahweh's power and Yahweh's sovereignty, I would assume, right? He, yeah. he, because he bears the name, he stands in for the presence of Yahweh, Yeah. it seems like, right? Which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, so, so you can bear the name as a being, but then the name can also rest over like a physical place. So... Uh, in Deuteronomy, then to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name, there you are to bring everything I command you, burnt offerings, sacrifices, tithes, gifts, and choice possessions you have vowed to the Lord. So the name can rest over a place. Now again, that means literally that, that Yahweh himself would dwell yeah. in that place, right? So it was the promised land, but then it was ultimately in the promised land, in the city of Jerusalem, in the most holy place. That's where the name rested. And so the name not only reveals the character of Yahweh, but the name 
is stands for Yahweh, right? So to misuse the name is to um, is to offend or to blaspheme Yahweh. Make sense? Yeah. So so the name can be resting on a person, yeah, and the name can be resting over a place, and then here's this weird text in Micah where the name can rest over a way of life. Okay. So all the nations may walk. Now, whenever you hear in the Hebrew Bible the word walk, it means live, okay. your way of life. All the nations may live their lives in the name of their God, but we will walk or live in the name of the Lord, Yahweh, our God forever and ever. So you can walk in his name. Right? Yeah. So, so his name is this weird, like you could, you call him the name, right. but then his <laughs> name can be resting on a bearer of the name who stands in the authority of Yahweh and is a revealer of Yahweh's character. The name can rest over a place which stands for the presence of Yahweh being manifest there, although Yahweh is everywhere. Or you can walk in the way of Yahweh, the, the way that bears his name which is absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah. Right? So the name, God's name here functions just in this really interesting way that's so different from Mike or Tim. Yeah. That are just mere signifiers. Right. Totally. Right? So the next step into this is that, uh, not surprisingly, the name of Jesus um, gets used the same way that Yahweh is used. And remember, Jesus uh, is the English for the Greek, Yahshua, uh, or that's the Hebrew. Um, Joshua would be more the Greek. Yahshua just means Yahweh saves. Okay. So, so it's not shocking that Jesus, uh, that Jesus then would be a name that people can bear as well. Right? So in... Um, in Acts, um, it says the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Yeah. And what name were they suffering disgrace for? Well, they were teaching that Jesus was the Christ. Right. Right. So, so they count. So, so in some strange way, they bore the name. Right. That's what Christian meant was someone who bore the name Christ. Or in First Peter. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. So notice, if you are living in the name of Jesus, the spirit of glory and of God rests on you. Yeah. Right? And if you're being persecuted for the name, rejoice that that's evidence that you actually bear it. Right. If you suffer... It should not be as a murderer or thief or any other, other kind of criminal or even as a meddler, Timothy. Yeah. However, oh, wow. if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Yeah. That All right. Sense. So, yes, it totally makes sense. And so that's what Christian meant is you bear the name of Christ. Right. And, and you were a representation of his character. And so, oh, so, so big point number one is that names work way differently in right. uh, the Bible than they do with us. Big point number two is there were warnings about attaching the name to insignificant things. Big point number three is that things you could attach the name to were beings, ways of life, and places. Yeah. 
and the, the name of Jesus then becomes the name right. um, uh, to be worthy of or to bear for those who are Christians. Jesus, right? name above all names. That's, that would make a great song. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, fourth point. If you can bear the name positively, you can also bear the name negatively. Yeah. So in, um, in Israel, Israel was to manifest the name. That's what it meant to hollow be thy name. Like yes. that's what it meant to keep it holy, to keep it distinct. And remember, as Matthew Thiessen was telling us, the opposite of holy was profane. Right. And profane meant common or ordinary. All right? So in Ezekiel, Yahweh is talking about why it is that the nations have gone into exile. Because, and, and the reason is they've not kept his name holy, H-O-L-Y, meaning they've not preserved it as distinct. They have lived in a way that was common to the nations of the world. And because of that, Yahweh was not seen as anything different than just as one of the other gods. Right. Yahweh almost had entrusted his reputation to the, to the rest of the nations through the conduct of Israel. And so, therefore, say to the Israelites, this is what the sovereign Lord says. It is not for your sake, people of Israel, that I'm going to do these things. And he's talking about a new exodus, a new covenant. But for the sake of my distinct and honorable name, which you have profaned among the nations where you have gone. In other words, you've made it common. Yeah. I will show you. So, but, but notice, what empty thing was the name of Yahweh attached to here? It was attached to Israel. Yeah. Right? So it wasn't about Yahweh's cussing. Right. Or Israel's cussing. It was about Israel's way of life. Right. That was what taking the Lord's name meant here. I will show the holiness of my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, because you have profaned my name among them. Right. The nations will know that I am the Lord, declares the sovereign Lord, when I am proved holy through you before their eyes. So do you see how that works? Yep. So God will be shown to be distinct <clears throat> and unique um, um, and not common or ordinary by the conduct of his people yeah. in front of the nations. This is already stressing me out. It, why is it stressing you out? <laughs> I guess it's just the inevitable when we get to the modern era. Oh, you see it coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, you see it coming, Timothy. <laughs> so, so when we get to um, taking the Lord's name in vain, yeah. Of course, we should not invoke the name of Jesus as a curse to curse somebody, right? Or to, um, because we're profaning the name, we're making it common. Yeah, and also using it for such a, nar I mean, the whole thing yeah. is, yeah, totally. Empty. Yeah. yeah. Yep, 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 yep. But, but when we just stop there, we miss the profound reality that the most, the emptiest thing we can attach the name to is us. Right. And that we bear the name regardless of whether or not we are evangelizing or not right 
right? We, yeah. we, we constantly bear the name. And so, so swearing, well, which is more damaging? Somebody who cusses or somebody who bears the name of Jesus in a wholly dishonorable <laughs> yeah. way? Right, and we know the answer to that. Yeah, the language is the less important marker than the 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 person bearing the name of Jesus living a life that totally contradicts the name that they're bearing. Totally. So, so there are two implications I think that are that are super important. One, for me anyway, is that you're never not witnessing. Right, that right. was the old school term that you for yeah, evangelism. You don't put on your. Gonna, uh, you don't put on your witnessing outfit Hat. Yeah. yes your mormon you, name tag and your white shirt and head out and then but when you take those off you're off duty yes or you i used to have um in the church where i first pastored there was a missionary map where you would there were string from our little city in ohio to different places in the world where we had sent missionaries and the totally. implication was they were the missionaries and we right. were something else yep and so, um, <laughs> so one massive implication is that you are never not witnessing, ever, never. You are totally. always, always, always bearing the name of Jesus. And the question is whether or not you bear it well right. so that the God's name is holy. So when you pray like the Lord's Prayer, God, may your name be kept holy, you and I are volunteering to be the people through whom his name is seen as distinct and beautiful. That's what that is. And, um, and I, I got a taste of this. So, so I was um, a pastor at several large churches in Southern California. And in a very public role, I became um, recognized. Um, you know, not, not just because I was in a public role, but because I was a large, bald fellow. And difficult to miss. And, and so... Um, uh, one That's of the how churches. I found you. Yes. It wasn't because yes. of what you were saying. It was just like, I just love the way the light shines off his head. It was like the a holy gleam. crown that just sat it there. It is. Yes. Some would call it the Shekinah, but you know, <laughs> that's a different discussion for a different day. No. Um, and, and I would, and, and this is not because I was some big deal, and I don't even, I'm, I hesitate sharing these stories, but, but I couldn't go anywhere without somebody. Uh, coming up and saying, hi, you know, hey, go to this church or we went to this church or we've heard you or whatever. And, and at first that was pretty terrifying um, because we'd be out, you know, doing whatever families do and I'd be having a bad day and I'd be realizing, oh, well, there could be people here who know what I do. And, and, and very often what would happen, like we were at Disney. I don't know if I've told this story on the podcast, but we were at Disneyland when the kids were little. And um, we were in Ariel's Grotto, which is this highly overpriced um, $38 per person for <laughs> hot dogs and juice boxes. But all the princesses come around and get to meet you. And, um, and our service was so bad that because they usually they only they want to they want to push everybody through so quickly. Totally. You know, but we got two rounds of the princesses. That's how bad our service was. And I was so frustrated because not only are we missing the fun of the rest of the park, and we're sitting in this you know uh, awful place, but um, but we're paying just a massive, massive amount of money to do this, right? For <laughs> four of us at thirty-eight bucks a pop, it was like, are you kidding me right now? Yeah. 
And so I'm, I am steaming and right, right. So we, I don't know, it's an hour or two. And so right at the very end of it, the, the, the server that we've been, um, uh, relating to during this whole process comes up and hands a check and says, Hey, just want to let you know, I go to your church <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and I'm horrified because I'm now thinking, you know, through the last hour or two of comments and like body language and everything else going, Oh my goodness. I mean, there, there was a time I went to the emergency room for food poisoning and, <laughs> And and I'm in, it's five in the morning. I kid you not, Hungry Like the Wolf by Duran Duran is playing in the background. And uh, I am puking my guts out. And there's, and this isn't like the nice kind of puking that's just in a bucket. This is a whole different ballpark. This is through every orifice imaginable. (laughs) And I'm in the, I'm in the ER and I'm just covered in awful. And this paramedic goes by, stops, walks backwards and he's like hey um uh there there were these um uh scribes that would you know accompany the doctors and the scribe went to the church no way i was pastoring and then they moved they actually admitted me because they couldn't get it under control and then um they called them candy stripers they were kind of nurse assistants who came in and said i thought i thought i saw your name and i just vomited all over the floor and i mean and I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, there were so, such embarrassing moments, whether it was in a restroom or like puking all over the face. And, and, and I say all of that to say, I realized that, and, and this became, at first it felt very confining, like, oh my goodness, I have to pretend. Yes. But then it became incredible, incredible accountability um, that, that I was never... Um, uh, not bearing the name pastor or teacher or totally. Jesus or whatever, right? Even when I was driving, right. people recognized me. I mean, all all the time, I lived with the awareness that I am on display. Now, again, that can be a very bad thing, yes, and can foster pretending. What it fostered for me instead was the joyful recognition that that I was always bearing the name of Jesus. Yeah. And that meant if I screwed up, which I inevitably did, I would be quick to apologize. Right. Or I would be, um, oh, I had no idea I, I did that. I'm, you know, amazingly remorseful for that or whatever it was. See, the, the, what's so fun about this, or I don't know if fun's the right word, but as you, like, so for the last year or two, as we've gone through these series, I just keep being like, I'm going to, I'm constantly putting myself in a position in life where I'm just asking as many questions as possible. And as a teacher, that's what I try to get my students to do, like provoke curiosity, provoke questions so that they can put work in to find those answers. Cause in the process of finding the answer, often you, you learn more than whatever, right? More than just being told. So when you talk about evangelism or just like this first part talking about name and you pull that thread, we pull that thread and you got everything that you just went through. There's a right. lot to it, right? Yeah. There's not just singing these songs. There's a whole right, right, lineage right. of information that's important just for name. But right. then you, with what you just did, you also brought up accountability. And that's also a term that is now linked to this. So it's part of the puzzle, but it's a piece that we have completely taken for granted or misdiagnosed or misdefined over the years. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, and, then, and then you said which I think is totally right on that the 
are you develop a fear of um, what you can develop a fear of what accountability does in in causing you to hide or, yes, or, or in causing shame. Yep. Which made me think about how much time we've spent talking about, especially for pastors, like the public and private self, because the mm -hmm. system that we've built when you don't pull any of these threads and don't have this understanding is that you live so much of your life hidden and not in like a healthy yep. way where you just have like space to breathe and to relax and to, you know, take Sabbath or whatever, but that you have parts of your life that you're too afraid to have people speak into or have people be aware of. And then you set up that wall that inevitably comes down Absolutely. again, which we've seen in every mega church <laughs> everywhere. But I just like, I, I really, I always want to like try to pull everything together. Cause it's, it's all part of the same puzzle. Like, right. Yes. And God was very intentional and Jesus was too, to, to try to tie all of this together. Yes. Where it's like, Hey, these all Im have implications for each other. And that's an important feature of what this means. Like accountability is an important thing to pull the thread and understand Yes, in context of what it means to be a bearer of the name of God. Correct. Correct. Because you're right. It can be total pretense where you're yeah. one person with your family and then you're one person in public and your kids rebel and you're done. Absolutely. But then that has implications for being patient and that has implications for what it means to be yeah. forgiving and like everything. Totally. Like it just reverberates totally. so much that I think right. we're, we're guilty of always being so performative that we just take all these things on and then we see in culture what the results are. Right. But the idea of really practicing patience when you're driving or you're eating at Ariel's Grotto, which is a terrible Absolutely. And, and, and realizing that I'm not doing this to get points with God or to impress exactly. other people. No. That's the hard, that was the hard work for me is I, I can be a people pleaser and I want everyone to think I'm great. And that just picks at you from the back the whole time. Like it just wears you down. Told, oh my goodness, it does. And um, I mean, I, I remember we were out and I was having um, a Coors Light and, you know, someone questions, oh my goodness, you drank and, and you're just like, oh, come on, man. Yeah, let me buy you one and, and we'll uh, we'll talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I just don't, <laughs> I don't need you judging how I'm parenting my kids right now. You know what yeah. I mean? But, but on the other side of fighting through all of that was this joyful like embrace of being different on airplanes because everyone is just awful. Right. Like I, I purposely go in totally. and try to be joyful and kind and yeah. helpful with luggage. And you see um, how much of a difference that makes by treating a human like a human oh my in goodness. a dehumanizing space. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Doctor's offices, same yeah. way. Like The DMV. Uh, the oh i actually i just went in into the dmv and to get my real id because you need that now to oh yeah plans or whatever and so i oh, went yeah. with all this documentation i did it online beforehand so i could be through there quickly and she's like hey i need to see the i took pictures of the bills that prove my address and uploaded no. them no and she's like i need no. to see this in person i was like it didn't say on the website she said it does at the bottom i'm sorry and i was like so i have to go home now and come back and right. she's like yeah right. i was getting really upset yep so i raced home i only had like so much time i came back uh. Went to a different window because of that was the open window. Got it done real quick, and then went over to her and was like, "I'm so sorry. This has absolutely nothing to do with you. I like I was really rude, and that was like." And she, you could see her like kind of lift off her, and she's like, "Oh, no big deal." But it's like, I no, I really want you to understand that you did this was completely me being an ass and had nothing to do with you. Because oh, I felt terrible because I knew that I did exactly what she experiences like a hundred times a day. Right. And not yes. even because I was being trying to be a witness. It was just because 
she was a human being and I treated her poorly. But see, that's it. That's the difference. Yeah. The difference between it is I'm not out witnessing. Right. I'm out trying to be fully human. Yes. And in my Which is a growth, positive thing, not a negative thing. We've been told that human is such gross, yucky, negative. Right. And I, I mean, I, so, so we swim and I, I invariably meet. So we were, we were at a pool in Ohio visiting family and, um, there was not one time we didn't go into the jacuzzi that we didn't end up in great conversations with people. Right. And so, yeah. I mean, it was, it just, and, and, and like there were two guys who looked totally like biker gang guys and it's just like, Hey, what's going on? What's going on, gentlemen? What's happening today in the jacuzzi? You know, and, and they, and everyone loves Seth. And so we just, <laughs> and, and I've just, I've, I've learned to like, that gives life in, in spaces. Well, he's impossibly human. He has no, he has no other option or filter to, yeah, to nope, hide behind. Nope. He's just like, this is just a hundred percent, a hundred percent. We're trying to get him to hide a couple things that <laughs> teenage boys are capable of, but that's a, that's a different story. <laughs> But so, so, but, but you're on such a great point, Tim, because um, the evangelism that I was motivated to do was done out of guilt, duty, obligation, awkwardness. Um, and of course, we wanted people to come to Jesus, but that you weren't centered as like, I'm compelled by the person of Jesus yeah. to just live in such a way to invite others into reconsidering their approach to life, right? I mean, yeah. that, that's it. And, um, and so the, the big implication for me was I'm always bearing the name. So I can't just go online and flame somebody when I have Christ follower in my bio. Right. Right. Or you put a, put a fish on your car and then you just drive like a total ass. I, yeah. I, I literally had somebody uh, come up and was like, hey, you know, I have a fish sticker on my car and I'm a, really, I'm a really aggressive driver. What should I do? And I was like, well take the fish sticker off (laughs) like be a better driver or be a better driver but that you know that wasn't nearly as much fun as just taking the sticker off right so we have all of these virtue signals that we think carry weight yeah um and we've done our now evangelistic yeah in the bad way yeah they carry our evangelistic burden because i have this you know not of this world thing on my car Um, and and for some people, forever. I was like, why do people, why do all these people I know have these now stickers on their car? I don't understand. <laughs> Does it mean like now it's happening? Like, are they like, I don't, I don't know. Rapture people. Uh, it could be. Uh, it's like, no, it's, it's not, those were the not of this world stickers, but I just thought it said now with a cross on the O. Yes. So I was confused forever as to what they're, what they're campaigning. for. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Remember they used to have baby on board stickers like way back in the day. So maybe it's like Christian on board. Um, but it's like, like I've often thought, would I live differently if I wore every day a bright t-shirt that said, I am a follower of Jesus? Would I conduct my online life differently? Would I live differently? Would I? And if the answer is yes, then, then we're, we're swearing. We're guilty of the taking of the Lord's name in vain, right? Yeah, making Because the most empty thing isn't my speech that I can attach God's name to, but it's my life. Yeah. And so for me, over the last five or six years, um, witnessing has become just a way of life. And, and what you realize, Tim, and this is like the second major implication, witnessing is not something you do, it's something you are. 
Yeah. And uh, out of the overflow of my life, my life testifies towards something. And it's not perfect. My Lord, if you, look, if you would look at my life, there's parts of my life that testify to fear and anxiety. There are parts of my life that testify to shame and guilt. Totally. There are parts of my life that, that testify to anger um, and, um, and irritation and inconvenience, right? I mean, certainly, 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 none of this is about perfection, but it's, it's, it's about walking in a way of life a manner of living that bears the name of Jesus. See, in that, and you pulled the thread on that too, the accountability thing, or we've talked about, I think we named an episode after a Bruce Springsteen song, the, yes. if, I, if I should fall behind, um, or if you should yep. fall behind, I'll wait and wait, I'll help you back up. I can't remember the lyrics now, but that only happens in community. And all the things that you just listed off are easy things to do in private, like to hoard shame, to hoard... Um, not living in any of these ways right? But when you are forced to have other people speaking into your life or when I was talking to my son about the Lord's or about the love your neighbor as yourself and what it means to love yourself in that equation or whatever but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that we need people sometimes to help us see in ourselves what is valid and yes. to give us you know into all that kind of stuff and so you see how much of this is like you can't I don't think you can wear this name privately right because you need people to hold, like you need people to speak the truth into you in all of those different ways to help uphold. I'm just seeing again as you pull the threads how much even with this, with like personally wearing the name of Yahweh, you have to have a community to help you do that because you can't do it. Yes, on your well, own. in fact, the name rests over a community. Yeah. Now you carry that as an individual as right. part of a community. That's hard to to live full bodied in that. I can't do that on my own. Exactly. Exactly. But I mean, it just calls into question the common ways we interact with people at the DMV, at a restaurant, driving um, on airplanes. And yep. again, it doesn't have to be forced or fake. That's not what Jesus is not inviting us into fakeness. Right. Um, just perhaps why he didn't go into politics. <laughs> well, he didn't go into partisan politics. Partisan He's, politics. He is a king. Right. So he is political. But yes, I mean, so we want to just start by embracing the idea that the invitation to Jesus' life, we're the object of that invitation before anyone else is. Um, And then out of the overflow of my growing into that identity, I also become cognizant of the fact that there's never, I'm never anonymous. Right. Right. I can think I'm anonymous or I can make a leave a quote anonymous comment, but in the kingdom, there's no anonymity. Yeah. And one of the things that I give up is my right or my perceived right to, to never be questioned in the way I conduct my life. Yeah. And, um, obviously that can be taken way too far and there are healthy <laughs> boundaries that are very much needed. Yes. Yeah. But I would just delight in, uh, myself and us feeling the weight of the fact that we bear the name. And to not so much worry about swearing as an expression of language, but swearing as an expression of a life that claims Jesus, but then denies and profanes his name uh, with the way that life is lived. Totally. So let's start, let's start there. And it's been, it's been absolutely liberating for me. Absolutely. I don't have to work Jesus into awkward conversations um, I've just found, I, I don't know. I've just found often things will naturally come up and, yeah. uh, and even if they don't, have I, have I witnessed? I have. 
So I do not live in any fear, guilt, or shame about whether or not I'm doing my part. My number one part uh, uh, in being the kingdom member is being transformed rather than trying to transform anybody else. Yeah. So that's the posture, at least that I've been trying to take. And of course, there are times we had a great conversation in the jacuzzi with um, a lesbian couple who was there celebrating Pride Month and getting tattoos. And we had a phenomenal conversation about spiritual things. Um, but that you could have never like awkwardly worked that in yeah. and had it, you know, had it go as well as it did. It was just a normal outflow of trying to be a joyful person in spaces where there isn't a lot of joy. Yeah, because unfortunately the name of Christian at face value carries a lot of negative connotations with folks. Well, that that's it. So, there, oh, that's so good, Tim. There used to be... So one of the ways I learned of sharing my faith was something called the bridge illustration. Right. <laughs> so the bridge illustration was picture two pieces of land separated by a big gap, all right, with nothing in the middle. And on one piece of land on the far left, there was me as a human being who was sinful. And then on the far right was God who was holy and just. And then there was this great chasm between us that represented my sin. Right. And no matter how far I tried to jump through religious activity or you know good works, I could not cross the chasm myself. Only Jesus, then you would draw a cross Right. And the horizontal bar of the cross was the bridge that allowed you to cross over to be with God. Um, a buddy of mine years ago said, ah, there are actually three or four chasms that we have to hop over before we do anything. And one of those, uh, to share our faith, before we share our faith, one of those is just the negative uh, connotation that the word Christian has these days like before you can ever get to the gospel story just to establish yourself as someone who's safe and trustworthy and not trying to power over somebody it could take forever absolutely absolutely why should anyone give our words any weight as christ followers when our churches are such a mess so totally so yes it's not just one gap we've got to overcome it's like it's like all this culture and language and trust that has to be built before you even get to whatever the message might turn out to be. Yeah, I got in trouble. I remember when they, when a youth pastor used that um, visual analogy for everything, because when the cross was put in there, the top of the cross looked like a big wall in between. And I was like, hey, I see, I see that you put the bridge in there, but there's a big wall in the middle. Like, what is... Like, I, th- I thought that the analogy was going to go further about how we got over that wall. <laughs> no. And then he's like, no, you're missing the point. I was like, oh, you gave, oh, me, a a visual, you gave me a visual representation. So I'm just asking questions based on what I see. And there's a big wall right in the middle of that thing. Yes. But, but one last thing that you said, and I, I've had to do this too. I've had to go back and apologize to random people yeah. when I just didn't handle myself. Well, I love that story, Tim, because that's what it looks like. It's not being perfect at right. all, but it's just being human. Yeah. And in recognize, I mean, I, I, I would imagine that the number of people who've come back to apologize to that person is fairly low. Yeah. And as I was thinking while you were talking, when I think about what it means, and I'm using air quotes to be a good witness, um, so much of it seems to be dignifying the humanity and others. And that requires a lot of like 
humility cool. on my part and like reposturing on my part because so much of who we are, so much of who I am uh, is like directly affected by what I think is negative or whatever in other people or reacting poorly to other people. And so right. I have to like, I have to do so much work to just dignify somebody as a human being. Right. But that's the point, right. Tim, that's so good. You going back to her wasn't about her and being a good Christian to her. Right. You going back was about you walking in the way of Jesus. Yeah. Do you see the also, difference? Yeah, but also just making sure that she felt I didn't want to make I, I made her feel less than. And I don't and I, I exerted like a power over her with my tone and my mood and whatever my day had, and I put that over her. Right. And so it was like, yeah, that was about me and what I had. She did nothing wrong. But at the same time, like, I wanted her to be dignified. I wanted her to feel like, hey, you are totally worthy of being treated well and being treated with dignity and love. And I didn't do that. And mm. that's all on me. Mm-hmm. And not, like that's 0% so good, on you. That's so good. Well, listen, friends, um, thank you. We'll we'll explore a bit more of this next episode, and um, can I and say again, one more little thing? Well, of course, because it's not the whole thing. Like, for God so loved the world, like God dignified humanity. It was like this. This is the story. The story is like that humans were are that God digs this project so much that and finds everybody so worthy and so worth all of this that this is the this is the route that He took. Right. Yes, by becoming one of us, the incarnation yeah. dignifies what it is to be human. Yeah. No, dude, totally. That was absolutely worth extra. <laughs> and Tim, you don't even have to ask. You can just, you know what? I think you're a co-host on this thing. Well, I was, I so, was interrupting you though. I was trying to dignify you as somebody who was parlaying a message. I, as I've listened to episodes, you you chirp a lot with funny <laughs> comments that I don't always appreciate in the moment because my brain is somewhere else. But it's funny. So keep it up. All right. So friends, um, man, thank you as always for letting us be a part of your life. Thank you for engaging and critiquing. We've heard um, several from several of you about the, the Roe v. Wade uh, thing that we put out. Rovid. Rovid as we, yeah, as Tim has now named it. Um, and, uh, and so we're just always grateful for affirmation, correction, whatever. Um, thanks for tuning in. As always, liking and rating and subscribing and those sorts of things are super helpful to the algorithmic overlords that run our lives now. Um, all of that is super appreciated. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can go to voxologypodcast.com. There are a couple of different ways uh, to support the whole thing. But we're grateful, friends, and as Seth would say, Timothy, hit that music. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to this conversation. Voxology is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that is supported by listeners just like yourself. If you'd like to partner with us, you can do so at patreon.com backslash voxology. You can also join the community and hang out and chat with us on the socials. 
facebook.com backslash voxology podcast and on instagram at voxology podcast thank you thank you thank you for walking the long road with us